This, this is the Our Auto Expert Podcast. Find us on air, online, on mobile, and on your smart speaker. Please subscribe at ourautoexpert.com. Our Auto Expert. Our Auto Expert. Our Auto Expert. Our Auto Expert. Now, here's the host of Our Auto Expert. Our Auto Expert. Nick Miles. Locally created, nationally celebrated, all the way from the northeast to the southwest. This is America's Car Radio Show. If it has a throttle, we'll feature it on air, online, on smart speaker, or on smartphone. This is our Auto Expert, where 2 million Americans get their automotive news daily. I'm your host, Nick Miles, along with Truck Girl Jen. <clears throat> so, we got to drive the CT5 in today, which is Cadillac's brand new sedan, goes up against the BMW 5 Series, uh, the E-Class from Mercedes-Benz, um, and the Audi A6. It's really nice. Comfortable. Surprise! Uh, Cadillac have always been a good brand. They've got mm-hmm. cars and SUVs, which are my favorite. Some which are, some which aren't. This, definitely making list. Uh, unfortunately, the one I got, and I'm not a big fan of black, white, silver, or gray. No but it's, kidding. It's silver. You like bright colors. Uh, I saw a friend of mine has a dark forest green colored one. Yeah. Whoa. Pretty? It looks so nice. <laughs> they did a really good job. It's interesting. Yesterday, I had my hair cut. At a place in Vancouver, Washington called Beige Blonde. And Brett, who uh, works at Beige Blonde, I said, you want to come and see your next car? Because we, we, he buys cars. I recommended a, um, a, an Infinity to him uh, probably about 15 years ago. He bought it. He still owns it. He's very happy. The G37, I think. G35. Uh, really likes it. So I said, hey, can you want to come look at your new car? And he walked outside with me and he went, that's a Cadillac? I know, right? I said, yes, it is. <laughs> so it has a really interesting, if you want to look at the uh, the pictures, go Google it, the CT5 from Cadillac. Uh, the front is different. It has very interesting um, grille. If you took the big Cadillac shield away from the grille, it would probably be hard to know it's a Cadillac. Uh, it has very slim sleek headlights and then it has this coupe like back end something like the audi a7 or the uh the a5 um and it drives it has great power i have the 550 it has great power i'm just surprised i like how they took the side mirrors and made them look like the shield yes i think that's they have they have shield uh, features i'm turning around to look at it it's in the parking lot i can see out the window (laughs) yeah it's just a it has very Camaro looking lights. Doesn't it does. It? It, uh, yeah. The grill, actually, when I look at it, the grill looks very like um, the Camaro sort of setup. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this is probably because the Camaro was always uh, tough and difficult to drive inside. It was is, is, it, when I say tough and difficult to drive, it was uncomfortable in the cabin space. But it was a great performer. In fact, four seconds faster than its competition around a racetrack. Uh, so it was an extending, but, but they just couldn't get the body right. They couldn't get the interior right. The interior, yeah, the big blocky dials and stuff. I couldn't even see over them. And, and so. the felt. Yeah. I'm done with felt on the inside yeah. of cars. And I'm glad to say this Cadillac doesn't have any felt on the inside. I like so. my Camaro. Um, it That was a surprise. Yeah. And I also it was a surprise when people were doing stupid things in the uh, coffee line this morning so oh geez let's not go there no uh what's on the show today that car has power (laughs) they annoy i got i got annoyed today with people in the coffee line but there you go 
Shocker. Yeah. It's not hard for them to annoy me. Uh, I've also been driving the Santa Fe uh, from Hyundai, the new one. Not the there's a new one coming this year, but uh, that's super interesting. And we'll talk about the rear occupant alert as well in that. What's on the show today? Stuart Fowle just about to join us. We're going to talk about uh, something new from OnStar, which is great for our community and great for anybody that served in the military. We're going to talk about the Ram TRX. This has been getting major, major discussions all over the United States. It's the first vehicle I can honestly say is the Raptor fighter. Uh, there has no, been no other vehicle, despite the fact that people have called their vehicles a Raptor fighter, this is the one that outperforms the Ford Raptor. I'm excited. You're, yeah, you'll want to hear all about that. The uh, the big cheese over at Ram is joining us, Mike Corval. Uh, we're going to talk Ham Bentley. This might be, uh, this is a touch and go for... Uh, Tim Hanning is going to join us, but we have to make an international call to talk to him in the UK. He's probably in bed already. He's pretty close to being in bed already. Yeah, it's getting close. I think he's like nine hours ahead. Um, so, and then uh, we're going we're gonna to talk a little bit about BMW products. This is a vehicle. I've driven, driven an Alpina once, a BMW Alpina. So it, once you get up past the M's, like the M7 or the M5, the Alpina is the next step up. And it's an outside company that works with BMW that modifies their vehicle. There is an X7 Alpina, which is their big, large SUV. I've driven the 7 Series Alpina. And let me tell you, it's the fastest I have ever driven on a public road in my life. Over 300 kilometers an hour on the Autobahn in Germany. should put that in there, just in case you were thinking I was being an irresponsible driver. We're also going to get uh, a moment to talk about the new Bronco R. That's the race version of Bronco. Anton Wallman joining us because there is a new VW that's coming out, which is all electric. And Perry Stern going to join us as well on this morning show. So let's start the morning off with something that is very community-based on today's show. Uh, Stuart Fowle is from General Motors. He uh, used to be in charge of Buick and GMC PR. He did an awesome job. Now now he's moving up the chain of command. Are you in charge of GM yet, uh, Stuart? <laughs> no. Okay. Uh, Mary Barr is still doing a pretty nice job. So okay, I'll, uh, good. I'll stay away from that. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, that, I always feel like when you become a GM of a big car company, uh, gen, you know, general manager a or a president, a president, whatever, it's more of a political job than it is of doing a, in a job. You're just it's, right. you're bobbing and weaving and fending off blows. So, That's probably true. Right. I got small kids. I, I don't need that. In my life, you, know? <laughs> you you bobbing and weaving from your small kids, I'm sure. Exactly. Uh, OnStar has done something which is awesome for those who have served in our military and our communities uh, to help them over some difficult times in their life. So OnStar, if you're not familiar with it, is that little blue button. I used it yesterday in my Cadillac CT5 uh, to call for directions. You can call for help. It can notify them. It can do things like uh, unlock and disable things in the car if it's stolen. But you've added a new service to OnStar at General Motors. Um, tell me what the OnStar now does for our veterans. Yeah, of course, Nick. And actually, I will start uh, with with one more piece. It's been a while since we've talked. And uh, earlier this summer, to your point of OnStar being the blue button, we've, we've expanded beyond the blue button now. So we have a new uh, smartphone app called OnStar Guardian. So this allows our, our existing customers, um, and right now it's a free service to them, to download the OnStar Guardian app and using algorithms within your phone and all the, the G meters and, uh, and sensors that your phone has, 
if you're outside of your OnStar protected vehicle now, if you're driving in someone's uh, Honda, God forbid, uh, and you're, you're in the passenger seat, um, you can now have the OnStar Guardian app in your phone. And if you get into an accident riding along in someone else's vehicle, uh, OnStar will still call you on your phone to do the um, automatic crash response. And, and even especially now these days where uh, a lot of how we get around has changed in the, the COVID era. If you're just walking down the street and feel uncomfortable for some reason, using the OnStar Guardian app, you could call one of our advisors and have them uh, talk to you until you're safely at home. So really cool addition. And that does feed into uh, what I'm here to talk about today as well, because the same service is available through uh, the OnStar Guardian app. So the way that we're helping our veterans, you do not have to be in your vehicle provided you also have uh, the Guardian app. So um, this was a, a really great opportunity for us to work with uh, the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs. And what we identified was that we get so many phone calls every day. Um, we don't know the exact number of veterans that we have, uh, but it is, is certainly a, a high number of veterans that are among our customer base. And uh, Previously, we never really had a good handoff because uh, the, the sad fact is 20 veterans every single day die of suicide, and that's just truly tragic. Um, and we haven't had a really good way to get them. We, we can, of, of course, do um, broad emergency assist, but um, to have someone who is trained and understanding of what our veterans go through on a daily basis and be able to talk to them and identify with them we have now uh, partnered with the VA so that if a veteran calls into OnStar and says, uh, I need to, to talk to someone, we can actually quickly identify that they're a veteran and hand them off to uh, more than 400 suicide prevention coordinators that the VA has to support uh, our, our community as veterans. So helping to connect people faster when, when speed truly counts. And I think I like the idea. I mean, it's like the same as anything else, like the crash notification, the crash response uh, on staff uh, service is something you really hope no one ever has to use. But if they have to use it, it's there. And this is the same way. If you, you really hope that no one has to use it, but it's there if you need it. Um, and that's the best thing about this. Uh, is this available as of today, right now? So if you go get OnStar Guardian or if you have OnStar in your car, you can just push the button and get and get someone to talk to? It's available now. And, and importantly for our veterans out there, um, you mentioned the blue button. The blue button is for uh, requesting directions, uh, more less, less timely requests. There's also the red button on OnStar, which is the emergency button, and this veterans uh, service, we encourage people to press the red emergency button, and that will speed the, the process up even better. I'm always worried about pressing the red button in any car, because several cars have it, not the OnStar service, <laughs> but an SOS button, and accidentally I hit it the other day, and luckily enough, uh, there, this particular model of car I was in had a cover over it, so the cover flipped open and there was another red button underneath, and I was like, oh, that was close. <laughs> I nearly had practice, to explain my way. red button. Right, <laughs> practice, exactly. I nearly had to explain. Well, it's a good thing it wasn't missiles or something like that. <laughs> that would have been really bad. Uh, Stuart, it's really great to talk to you, and I'm so proud of 
General Motors and OnStar to bring this to market. The new OnStar Guardian and the OnStar service to help veterans. We'll be right back. You're listening to Our Auto Expert. Catch up with previous episodes of the show at our website, ourautoexpert.com. You can hear all the past shows, see automotive videos, and read insider car stories about your next ride. Our Auto Expert is where 2 million Americans get their automotive news daily. You'll find it all at ourautoexpert.com. I have a very passionate place in my heart for the next guest who is coming on because I saw him when he first took over the role in charge of Ram trucks and uh, I heard yesterday from uh, Mike Cudell who is uh, obviously the other half of our auto expert that he thought the uh, Ram TRX uh, press launch was one of the best press launches he has seen in years and it was all executed by Mike Caval. He is the new uh, big cheese over at Ram introducing probably the most excited truck, exciting truck that we've seen in the last two or three years come to market. Good morning, Mike. Uh, finally, finally, the Ram 1500 TRX has arrived. Good morning, Nick and Jen. Great to be with you, and, and thank you for the uh, the opening. We are, uh, man, we are excited to finally get it out into the marketplace. I was reading some of the stories, how the press reacted to the launch of this vehicle, and uh, uh, one of the stories talked about a swear jar in the office. And every time somebody mentioned a uh, what they call a Raptor fighter, they had to put money into this jar. And they said, <laughs> finally, now the jar has to be spent on pizza because they finally have a Raptor fighter. And this looks like it'll outperform the Raptor, which is its big competition um, with horsepower, with suspension. I mean, we like to go horsepower all the time because it's a, it's a language that everybody understands with 702 horsepower from a 6.2 liter supercharged Hemi V8 engine. However, the biggest breakthrough in this truck is probably the suspension, right? Yeah, the suspension is had to be up to the task. It's uh, all new front and rear suspension. Uh, to handle the uh, the off-road capability that this truck was designed to bring. But, Nick, like you said, the, the, the all-new Ram 1500 TRX was designed bolt by bolt to significantly outperform every other truck. But, you know, we put two-and-a-half-inch bill signs on here, which my engineers, the guys I sent out into the desert to put this truck to the test, tell me they are absolutely plush. But we also maintain that class-exclusive five-link coil rear suspension, which maintains that that characteristically soft ride, that'll be in the TRX as well. So you get the comfort both on and better comfort off-road as well. Uh, I I love the idea that everybody is saying that this is going to be an incredible desert racing vehicle, an incredible performance vehicle. I look at some of the numbers, 0 to 60 miles an hour in 4.5 seconds. It would be nice if I actually had a sedan that would do that. Uh, it's, it's 100 miles an hour in 10.5 seconds, quarter mile in 12.9 seconds at 108 miles an hour. This has a top speed of 118 miles an hour. Every time I start to read numbers of this, they're absolutely outstanding. And the other thing that I think is outstanding is it's, you know, you'd expect to be paying close to $100,000 for a truck like this, but it's not going to cost you that much to get into it. The guys are telling me that uh, I may be a great product guy, but I'm a horrible businessman. <laughs> I, I, uh, and, and you know what? And you know what? That's the best compliment I could ever be paid. Right. Because because you're selling them too cheaply. It's um, it, it's uh, look, we, we knew that um, 
everything that went into this vehicle, we, we, this, this truck is, is the quickest, fastest, most powerful pickup truck in the world, but, but it's about the total package. It still has 1,310 pounds of payload, 8,100 pounds of towing capability. So if you want to bring the toys with you up to the lake uh, for the weekend, we wanted to make this vehicle available to all buyers, not just an exclusive few. What's the chances of a long-term loan on? I'm just kidding. I'm yeah. just kidding. <laughs> uh, when when do we actually get to, when do we actually get to drive it as press, and when will we see it arrive in dealerships? Yeah, great question. So uh, the TRX is available for ordering now at your local Ram dealership. We're going to start building them early Q4. They will be at your dealership before Christmas. And I will see you in Tahoe in the middle of October, provided it's safe, safe to travel by then. Right. Oh, no, you'll see me if I have to walk. Exactly. It's probably only about a, <laughs> it's about a thousand miles probably for me, too. Uh, that That is uh, incredible. And I'm really excited about the opportunity to drive the truck as well. Is there a market for this? Because, you know... I look at numbers with COVID and I look at sales. Is, was this the right time, Mike, to bring this to market? Well, we absolutely think so. And, and uh, based on the groundswell of, of demand, based on our early dealer order flow, it really validated our decision to, to bring the vehicle to market now. But we teased it four years ago at the State Fair of Texas, and our fans and customers have been salivating. They have been waiting for us to bring this to market. And when you, when you kind of take a step back and you look at the, the light-duty pickup truck segment, it's diverse. You have work trucks, you have family haulers, you have enthusiast trucks, you have luxury trucks now more than ever. But the enthusiasts who we're really kind of going after here, they value their freedom. They value their fun. They're about adventure. And they may have another performance vehicle in their garage, but they will prefer the Ram 1500 TRX because of the ultimate utility that it offers. So the first exposure that most people get to a truck is a visual. They'll see what it looks like. And you had to make this something that looked like it could race across the desert, but you couldn't lose that identity, that DNA that Ram has spent so many years building. What was the magic formula to make this look aggressive but still a Ram? Yeah, it's well, it's, it's two and a half inches taller, eight inches wider than the traditional Ram 1500. You know, the new uh, functional hood scoop with the LEDs in there give the TRX a striking and unmistakable stance. But we were true to our heritage. You know, we're committed to being America's off-road truck leader. Of course, you have the Ram 1500 Rebel. You have the granddaddy of them all, the Ram heavy-duty power wagon. And we just think the Ram 1500 TX will expand our lineup and and really act as a halo for our brand. I I really believe, Nick, that we're going to see new buyers come into Ram that have never considered us before. But that's what you would expect from us as, as America's off-road truck leader. Uh, and I'm sure you deliver every time. I've never been disappointed in any Ram I've driven. And uh, you still, everybody's trying to catch up with you in many things that you do ahead of the marketplace. Uh, Mike, continue the good work you're doing. I'm so pleased that all these great things are happening to Ram and to you. And uh, you have our support all the way. That TRX uh, heading to dealerships, hopefully before the end of the year. You probably want to get an order in or at least a test drive in before the end of the year uh, because there's... They're going to go fast. I can feel it happening. All right, stand by. More Our Auto Expert on the way. You're listening to the Our Auto Expert podcast. 
This is our Auto Expert Radio Show. You can contact us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. You can start a conversation with us. Ask us a car question. Just direct messages at ourautoexpert.com, where two million Americans get their automotive news daily from our radio, television, and digital presence. And we're glad that you're a part of it. Uh, I do remember, as a child, uh, going to Number 10 Downing Street in England, which is where the Prime Minister lives, and seeing a row of very smart Bentleys outside, which were ferrying all those members of the cabinet around to their various meetings. Uh, so Bentley's always had a very special place in my heart from a child on, and they have some amazing new products. That, uh, I had a very nice wander around the Bentley stand at uh, Pebble Beach a couple of years ago, where they were celebrating 100 years, and there were some outstanding cars I remember from my childhood, but also visions into the future of what Bentley's may actually look like. And luckily, we uh, have uh, Tim Hanning, Hanning on the phone, who is uh, at Bentley. He is the guy who has all the information about some of the new vehicles that are coming out. Uh, Tim, I had a look at this. I'm not sure how I pronounce it, but is it uh, Bacala? Uh, the Bacala, the Bentley, the, the new yeah. Mulliner collection. Yeah, hi. Uh, yes, Bacala is the right way to pronounce it, and, uh, and absolutely, um, yes, you, you get that spot on. Uh, it is the most beautiful Bentley I have ever seen in my life. I mean, it's, you know, the lights and uh, the grill and the hood vents and everything. It looks like you guys are taking on the new Century with a huge whack of some incredible new designs. Um, thank you, first of all, for that uh, super positive feedback. It, 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 it's, you know, it's music in my ears, you say that. And, uh, and I think specifically, I can't take credit on the design, but, um, you know, the design team, I, I agree, has done an absolutely fantastic job on that car. And I think you, you, you got it as well completely right. You know, the car is made in order to lead us to a, to, to a more modern, fresher design for, for so it's not only a very, very special car, but it's a solid ambassador of what's going to come. In the future, yeah. I, I, I think the one thing about Bentley, which is, I think, really spiritual for a lot of people, is there are some supercars in the world, there are some luxury cars in the world, which are just absolutely unattainable for most people. When you're talking about vehicles that start $450,000 and go higher than that. But Bentley's always been the car when you're the most successful in your career. You don't have to be a member of the super rich um, to, to own them. I see those guys when they first enter the National Football League in the States, the NFL, when they first get their first contract, a lot of times the first thing that people buy is Bentley. So it's been luxury and it's been outstanding, but it's attainable for most people at the successful pinnacle of their career, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And you know, it's a you know, we're trying to we're trying to make cars that are that are very special and very personal. And if if what you describe is what people do, if they if they achieve something and then they treat themselves with a Bentley, then we then we're really proud of this because because that's exactly what we're trying to do. We're trying to create cars for for for, for people that really love them, that enjoy them, and they they, they use them as well. So um, that, that's what, what Bentley really is about. And um, you know we, we we call them the achievers. And and you know anybody can be an achiever. And uh, you know we think it's necessary and needed, but it's not it's not a car that's 
you know, never been, nobody can ever obtain. It's, 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 it's attainable at the end of the day. Of right. course, you know, still, it, it, it is very expensive, but I can tell you, um, it's very expensive to make a Bentley as well. Right, I'm sure, because handmade, lots of man hours. I was at the New York Auto Show probably 10 years ago. Uh, we do a live broadcast for Fox Sports and all of the Fox stations out of uh, New York, and I was uh, invited to a great Bentley party in which that Bentley flew over some of the people that make the seats, and I was watching them hand-sew Bentley headrests at the party. It was unbelievable that this, you know, this is how it happens, and you think, oh, everything goes in, the materials go in a machine and come out the other end. It's, it couldn't be uh, more untrue with Bentley. It's a, a gentleman cutting the leather, a lady sewing the leather, uh, you know, somebody embossing the leather by hand, and, and that's still the case in, in crew today, isn't it? Yes, no, absolutely. And you know, I think I think it is um, it is something we as well we, we really cherish is the history of the craftsmanship. You know, if you ever have the chance and anybody who's listening if ever has has the chance to visit crew, what you find in this factory, you know, is we're building a relatively small amount of cars. So we have but in relation to that we're employing an enormous amount of people, which is great because these people really still have the skills, and specifically what we call trim, veneering, rubber. So, you know, you find individuals, you know, people from that have been there for generations, and they can actually create things with their hands, which is rare these days in automotive sectors. And um, yes, as I said earlier, you know, it makes the car a bit more expensive, but it makes it at the end very, very special, very personal, and. Um, uh, I think it's it, it's really great to see, and I every time I walk through the factory and I I smell you know, the smell of leather, the oh. smell of wood. It is something that you. It's not sterile. It's it's, it's really uh, very personal. It's really uh, very very true and very um, um, authentic. I'm imagining it right now, and I promise you the next time I'm back at my house in England, I will spend some time and uh, see if we can get up to crew uh, and have a look. Let's talk a little bit about the new Continental the GT Mulliner convertible. Defining open-top luxury again, uh, is there still a market for people to have uh, open-top vehicles? Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. You know, I, I, and, and if, we, if we just... I, I, couldn't, I couldn't imagine myself, whenever I'm in, in, in good weather... And on a nice road, I would want to, and I really do want to put the roof down. So it's absolutely no question. There is a huge demand, and uh, and I think it's ultimately uh, the definition of automotive uh, spiritual freedom um, to have a roof down. So, yeah, absolutely, yes, there is a demand, and, uh, and we see that every day by people ordering them. Uh, this, you know, the Mulliner division of Bentley or Bentley Mulliner, it's 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 pretty old, isn't it? I mean, it, you guys have been doing this for a long time, and it's sort of the authentic hand-built coachworks that Bentley owns. Yeah, you know, the history of Mulliner is, is absolutely incredible. I'm not sure if you're aware, but the roots of Mulliner go back until 1500-something. We don't know quite exactly. So they started doing saddles. So you could you could happily say they were in the mobility business, even fifteen hundred uh, something. And the first the first proper contract that we know they've done is they they created carriages for the Royal Mail, and therefore that's a written contract. And that written contract is from seventeen forty six. So that's more than two hundred fifty years ago. Um, and one would assume they started to do some carriages before the Royal Mail. Um, um, asked them to to, to create uh, carriages for them. So 
I think we can rightfully say it's probably the o- oldest automotive company um, in existence. And then Malona um, specialized when when the, when the coach build, the carriage building was was done, and it was all about the automotive. And they started to do very special creations based on on chassis. We have to remember that you know in the old times, in the when the when the automobile was in, invented or or created, the the automotive companies created chassis that were running. Including a radiator bonnet, etc., and delivered these to coach builders. And coach builders then created specific and individual cars and bodies on top of that for the customers. So you had a Bentley, a Bentley, for example, Bentley Speed Six, with a Gurney Natling or a Vandenpla or a Malina body on top of it. And um, that's what that, that's what Malina did. So it was separate and different companies. And after the war, um, the, the the company Bentley. Bought Mulliner and kind of merged the two. So it has a very, very long history of Mulliner creating very special Bentleys. And you're sort of also re- rebirthing some of that history. I mean, Bentley uh, coming back with the uh, 1929 iconic uh, team blower to be built to be reborn with uh, with their vehicles. You're sort of uh, re emphasizing the past in sort of a modern version, aren't you? Yeah. It's, it's, it's interesting you say that, but it's 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 not a modern version. It is actually the old car. I always try to describe it in the way that it is. It's actually a 1929 model year, 2020 built. So it's wherever we can, wherever possible, we're going back not only to the original materials, but as well to the ways how we actually create, create and produce those. And effectively, it's, we're recreating 12 masterpieces um, which are exactly as they would have been in 1929. Which is, um, it's. Um, I sometimes refer to it. It's, uh, it's industrial archaeology we're doing, because wow. um, it is. Uh, it is a lot of work to get to the minute detail and getting it right. That is uh, incredible. I thought it was going to be with all modern materials, but that's absolutely incredible. So, if I if, are these going to be for sale, could I buy one, or is it are they going to uh, uh, now go to just special exhibitions or something? No, they 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 are all sold. Unfortunately, so unfortunately, I couldn't offer you one. Anymore. Ah, um, sorry, Nick. Which is which is I don't know. It's bad and good news at the same time. It's good news for you, bad news for you as well. But 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 uh, um, but um, they 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 are all sold to 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 individuals and the vast majority of people. So you know they they of course they are not as they come. They are not legal in terms of uh, because they don't. They don't uh, comply with modern standards, so right. majority of uh, customers will use them in events and in, uh, in special um, opportunities, which they can use them. And this is that's great because um, this allows these cars to be really seen and and uh, and being be around, etc. And I think that's something that's very special about classic cars. Yeah, yeah. People can enjoy them without needing to own them. You know, they have a fascination around them. Yeah. And you can be, you can adore them. You can, you can, you can really enjoy being there and see them. But you don't necessarily have to own them yourself. Yeah, and and, and I honestly, if it was in the United States, twenty five years after uh, they were built, they would be legal because they'd be twenty five years old on the road. Tim, uh, we're out of time. Amazing. I could talk to you all day. More our auto expert on the way. You're listening to our auto expert. Your smart speaker can be your radio. Just say, hey, Google, or hey, Alexa, or hey, Siri, our auto expert. Play our auto expert radio show. 
and all previous episodes of the podcast are available. Hours of endless fun await you. I'm Nick Miles, and this is our Auto Expert radio show. Our Auto Expert is where 2 million Americans get their automotive news daily, online or on the digital or on the radios or on the televisions. You have choices of seeing us absolutely everywhere. Probably sick and tired of it by now, I'm sure. Uh, did nothing but talking about cars. So I'm not sick and tired of seeing these great Florida teachers. Uh, it's hard when kids go back to school, and we all know that things around COVID have made it very difficult for schools to reopen, some which have chosen not to and to continue doing their courses online, some which have chosen to reopen but have social distancing in place. Well, one sc- a couple of first-grade teachers in Florida decided to do something to help their kids around COVID. And so they took their desks and they put uh, perspex around the top, uh, glass, uh, plastic glass around the top to make like a windshield and side windows. And the bottom of the desk, they made look like Jeeps. Um, There is a great picture online. And then they put as the number plate, the kid's name. Uh, And that is outstanding because now each kid comes back to their own looking like a Jeep desk with the plastic dividers functioning as car windshield and windows. Uh, The dividers uh, are just one strategy that many schools are employing to keep their students safe. Many are questioning it uh, with patrons. Will it be enough? But ultimately, I think this is a great start to making kids feel comfortable and back to school and just took a little ingenuity. I'd like to see a lot more schools do that as well. And it doesn't have to be just now. I like how they put the names on the license plates. Yeah, I think that's That's great too. And it it stops spitballs too, which is great. (laughs) Bounce off your Yes, She'll exactly. Face. <laughs> well, there should be some way of, uh, you know, of, uh, of deadening the sound in there, too. So if somebody throws a hissy fit, it doesn't disturb the rest of the class. They yeah. need sound deadening glass. Mm-hmm. That's what I, need. I think it's great. It's a really great way to get kids back to school and make them feel comfortable as well. Uh, this week, I have been driving a couple of different cars. We talked to the top of the show about the uh, CT5. We're also talking about this, the new Hyundai Santa Fe or the 2020 Hyundai Santa Fe. Now, Hyundai Motors sh- sh- showcased the rear ocu- occupancy alert system uh, in a new video, and we've covered it several times with the vehicle itself. The system monitors the rear seats using an ultrasonic sensor that helps detect movement of children or pets. And the system reminds drivers to check the rear seat when exiting the vehicle with a message on the center console cluster display. If the system detects movement in the rear seat after the driver leaves the vehicle, it'll honk the horn, flash the lights, and send a Blue Link alert to the driver's smartphone via Hyundai Blue Link connected car system. In addition to being forgotten, Uh, in cars. Uh, Tragedies have happened to this, but uh, also you can leave things like ice cream on the back seats, which doesn't move. But anything that moves will set off those alarms and you can actually get a signal on your phone. I think this is a great idea. Some car companies, uh, Nissan and General Motors, have a rear occupancy alert, which alerts you if you open the back doors at any point, uh, but it doesn't see movement. And some of the newer systems see movement in the back. Now, I've never left a you know, dog in the car or I've never left a child in the car, but it does help you if you get distracted, reminds you of things. And I think these systems combined with weight on the seats or putting something in the back does help an awful lot with letting you know that they're in the back seat of the car. Pretty tragic, but it's a great way to uh, make sure that you can not have melted ice cream all over the back seat as well, which I will tell you, I have left groceries in the back of the car. Um, what happens with me 
and I don't know if this happens with you. I'll go grocery shopping, uh -huh. but it'll be kind of an add-on task. So I'll have to do five other things. Go to go and get something from the doctor's office. Go go and pick up something. Uh, run a check over somewhere. Sign some papers. Have a quick meeting. But I'll do grocery shopping in between some of the downtime. And then you go and do other things. And you and I don't buy frozen stuff when <laughs> I do that. But I think that's uh, I forget. I forget. And I wonder what it's like for me, for our listeners in Florida, they will easily be able to understand this, but I don't have to worry so much about living in the northwest of the United States. Uh, I mean, I, I'm often in Florida and Texas and those, but not for long periods and don't usually grocery shop when I'm there. But I wonder what it's like to be in one of these locations and just forget when you bought groceries. I mean, you can't buy frozen stuff. I see people go to the store here with these freezer bags and put their groceries in so stuff doesn't melt by the time they get it home. I'm not that savvy, to be honest with you. I'm, I'm lucky if I take a grocery bag shopping like a reusable bag. I'm, I have about 200 of them, but I'm pretty useless in remembering to do it. The best I can do is remember my mask. But it does help. <laughs> I, think it, I think it does help an awful lot. Uh, and if you live in a hot climate, it would be a nightmare trying to get frozen goods. I almost want them shipped. I think it's yeah. sad that we as Americans can forget stuff in the backseat of a car and we need an alarm system. I mean, honestly. I, look, there's <laughs> plenty of news. You, you can Google it and see plenty of news stories where oh, people yeah, have done it's it. Awful. And and that would be the end. That would be the end of your life. I mean, you're yeah. done. You do something right. horrendous like that, you'd be done. I'm constantly, I worry when I, I have five dogs and when I take them to the vet, I worry about going to the other side of the car and getting the dog out. So like I shut the dog in the car and the car's turned off and I have to walk around the other and it's hot, it's 100 degrees outside or something. And I have to walk around the other side of the car to let them out, you know, so it's the the, the door closest to the garage where they're going to go in. Mm -hmm. I worry about that little walk around the back of the car. It's like, oh, I hope they don't get too hot in the 30 seconds right, it takes exactly, me to get out exactly. and get get them into the house. Right. But at the same time, uh, you know, and and I have three of my dogs are, are old. Um, they're, yes. they're 13, 14 and 15 ish. We don't really know cause they were rescues. So, uh, if it gets over 72 degrees in the house, they start, right. um, and it's interesting. You can always tell which cars my dogs have been in because there's a moist, uh, a line where the no where the height of the dog is. And there's a line across the, where the nose has been against the window. A little slobber line. Yeah. <laughs> Um, sl it's slobber lines, and I, I have my my personal vehicles. I have the dogs in my personal vehicles, but I don't I don't put them in my uh, you know press cars for obvious reasons. Right. So it's kind of interesting too. But there you go. That's that's exactly what I would do. Uh, the CT5, which we've been driving, is just Cadillac's new. Uh, it's the same size as the Audi A6 or the BMW 5 Series, uh, the E Class from Mercedes. I I think that, however, is a big change. It's a I. I'm an SUV guy at heart. I like SUVs, you those wagons. things, because the high, yeah, wagons. But here's the deal. When you get to drive a really cool sedan, it's like, it's kind of cool. Like, I, <laughs> I, I think sedans are kind of cool. I forget. Uh, I love them. I forget how cool they are. Well, you have, but you love big trucks. I do. Minivans are the only thing you don't like. <laughs> and wagons. I don't like Wagons are sexy. Uh, They're no. yoga pants and pigtails and cool dads with big beards and <sighs> pets and camping and performance. I tell you, yeah. I, we need a cool Mercedes. We get an S63, uh, Mercedes AMG, S uh, E-Wagon 
E Wagon S63. No, E Wagon E63X. That's yeah, what okay. I'm trying to say. 603 horsepower. No. Wagon. No. It drifts. So? Yeah. Four hour auto expert on the way. You're listening to the R Auto Expert Podcast. Locally created, now she celebrated from the northwest to the southeast. This is America's Car Radio Show. If it has a throttle, we'll feature it on air, online, on smart speaker, or on smartphone. This is our auto expert, where two million Americans get their automotive news daily. I'm your host, Nick Miles, along with truck girl Jen, into the second part of the show. I will tell you that it is probably the best experience I've had in my life driving a BMW Alpina. I went to the Alpina factory um, and drove the BMW Alpina. Uh, I had a really, really good time driving it. Um, the seven, seven, the B7, so they're called B7. Um, I drove it, drove it on the Autobahn and went uh, over 300 kilometers an hour. It was absolutely mouth-dropping, I have to tell you. Um, and I I can't even tell you how amazing it was to drive this vehicle. Um, I My friend who was sitting next to me got it up to around 284 kilometers an hour. I should, let me just Google that and see what, uh, 300 kilometers per hour in miles. You're, you guys are already ahead of me, aren't you? Um, so if you were to do 300 kilometers an hour in miles an hour, that would be 186 miles an hour. I'm just telling you, it was so fast. Uh, that was on a public road in Germany on the Autobahn. Um, and this Alpina was, I, I just can't even explain how absolutely amazing this vehicle was. Anyway, there you go. That's, uh, that's my story about driving an Alpina. Um, so there is this factory in Germany, and Alpina isn't actually part of BMW, although they have a very close association with BMW and driving these vehicles. Uh, the, the Alpina guys take the, the vehicles and make them into their special versions of the vehicles. Uh, so the Alpina, the B7 Alpina, um, was amazing to drive it was a seven series which was converted uh the other one that is just uh, about to hit the streets is the brand new uh, bmw uh, x7 uh, alpina and i'm not sure i think it's probably an x7b is what they call it as far as the alpina is concerned so it's really an outstanding vehicle now we got a little bit of time uh, last week to talk to katie uh, Al- alini I got it right last time, didn't mm-hmm. Katie Alini. She is BMW project man- product manager for the BMW 7 Series and the 8 Series, along with the X7, um, and also, of course, manages the Alpina account as well. Uh, Kate, so first of all, let me ask you, uh, how how do we term this? Because the uh, seven, the the 7B or is it a B7 is what you would call the sedan version of the Alpina. What's the uh, X7 version of uh, Al- Alpina? How do you, how do you what's the nomenclature for it? So it's the X, it's the Alpina XB7. Uh, okay, so, uh, XB7. Yeah. All right. XB7 is the first sports activity vehicle that Alpina's produced for the U.S. market. It's actually the fourth Alpina model that we've produced in Spartanburg, up in our Spartanburg plant, but it's the first to be sold here in the U.S. to customers. Oh, 
as the uh, first SUV. Mm-hmm. I I was astounded by driving the uh, the seven series Alpina version uh, on the ger- the roads in Germany and going to the uh, Alpina factory. Uh, it was phenomenal. The first time I have done the speeds on a public road I ever did with that vehicle. Uh, tell me, tell us a little bit about some of the stats around the uh, the X7 version and Alpina version because I'm sure it's as outstanding as the sedan version, right? It is. It is. It's a sibling, and um, it, it, it literally brings all of that understated elegance and luxury, coupled with the bespoke details that only Alpina can do, and the superior driving dynamics that we know from the B7. Um, it, it's really, truly a beautiful vehicle. Handles exceptionally. It's the most powerful X7 that we offer right now. Um, produces 612 horsepower, Ooh. 590 foot uh, a pound foot of torque. And it goes zero to sixty in four seconds flat. So for a big car, a truck, if you will, an SUV, it's it's really hauled. So it's it's great. You probably have to get onto a racetrack to test that, though. I mean, the auto autobahn or a racetrack, right? Correct. You need you need a nice long straight line to appreciate it. Um, it's really that refined touring, uh, powerful um, ref- engine, and it just it handles like no other. A BMW, the Alpina tuning and treatment um, sets it apart from other BMWs. A different, different style. Now, um, so the association is with Alpina and BMW. Uh, you guys are twins, but you have different parents. I guess would be the best way of putting it. Alpina is <laughs> sort of a separate company, but you're joined at the hip, right? Yeah, Alpina is an independent, family-owned business based in Buchwald, Germany, where you probably visited. Yeah, um, and we've had a long-standing partnership with them. And they produced some of the most special versions of our BMW production models um, over the years. Um, it's still family-owned and run. Um, the gentleman that, that launched it, Mr. Bowman Zeman, and his two sons still run the business. Um, they even live on the premises. We're in the headquarters. Mm-hmm. And they, uh, it's really all about that craftsmanship, bespoke, handmade, refined um, design overall, plus the performance. So, it really is a very unique version of our BMW offering. Now, Jen was telling me all the uh, the sevens, the X sevens are sold out uh, for for the Alpina uh, trim level. Um, is that the case? Is it we have to wait till next year to order one, or what's what's With the situation? The shadow edition. Yeah, that is that's true. Like the dark shadow edition, um, we've sold out in terms of our available production till the end of this year, twenty twenty. Um, ordering opened in May. And we just, it was, it was very popular. People were waiting for this and we've already satisfied all of our production slots through the end of the year, but you can still put in orders. You just might have to wait a bit longer for uh, production next calendar year. All right. Uh, let's, let's talk about uh, the, the Alpina uh, doing an, their first SUV. It doesn't almost, it almost seems like, or a sports activity vehicle, it almost seems like uh, everything Alpina do, you know, SUVs aren't really in their wheelhouse. So did they have to adapt to do this? Because they've always done these sort of performance sedans. Uh, this was something new for them, and I'm sure it took a lot of testing because they weren't used to working on something which was more truck-like. Yeah, actually, they did produce uh, several other Alpinas, as I mentioned, but they were not available in the U.S. So they even produced SAV models for the um, based on the X3 and X4 in the past. Okay. So they're familiar, quite familiar. But this is the first time that an SUV is available in the U.S. and, of course, on our new flagship um, model. Now, um, but they they were made in they were only made in Germany at one point, right? Yes, yes, exactly. So with the seven series, the B7 version of the Alpina. 
they basically produce that vehicle in Plant Zingelfing in Germany, BMW uh, factory, and then the vehicle moves to Alpina for the tuning, manufacturing, et cetera, and then it goes back to Zingelfing again. In this case, the vehicle is being built in the U.S., in Spartanburg, South Carolina, and what they did was they moved the whole Alpina production processes down right to Spartanburg, and essentially it's built into the existing uh, production aspects down Spartanburg, and then they have a special uh, vehicles operations area where they install all the Alpina parts, so that sort of hand-finishing treatment that they get. And all the folks that are doing that are trained by Alpina uh, white glove expertise. So they really are producing um, Alpina vehicles just as they would back in uh, Bukov. You know this question is coming, probably knew it was coming. Does this mean that there'll be more uh, Alpinas produced in the United States, uh, the opportunity to expand the line? Uh, I'm, I'm quite certain, but can't can confirm <laughs> that there'll be future Alpinas. Whether or not they're going to be produced in Spartanburg is um, to be TBD as well. Um, but again, we have a long-standing relationship with Alpina. They are vehicles like no other. They um, really augment our, our portfolio here in the U.S. They're very popular. They're for a very discerning customer. And um, I'm certain there'll be more uh, vehicles to come with now, the Alpina brand. I noticed the, the vehicles in the showrooms, and I'm not sort of familiar with this, but the vehicles in the showrooms uh, that at the Alpina headquarters were actually specific colors. Um, they, were, they, they make just a smaller range of very significant colors for the vehicle. Is it going to be the same with the ones made in the U.S.? They're only going to be available in certain colors? Well, actually, um, there's several exterior paints that it's available in, but we'll also be available in Alpina, the green, and also the blue that we're all very much um, used to as their signature color. Um, the uh, Alpina blue metallic will be available as of December production, and then the Alpina green metallic will be available next April. So those exterior colors are coming later, but we have several other exterior um, paints available. Um, and then more about the, you know, the Alpina exterior, if you will, I mean, if you're familiar with it, but first and foremost, it looks different from the front yeah. and the back everywhere. Um, it has the front spoiler with the Alpina lettering, which is subtle but beautiful. Um, it's got a unique front bumper and the splitter system. And then from the rear, it has the quad exhaust system. And, of course, it has blue brake uh, rotors, which are amazing, and they're Alpina-specific. Um, and overall, even in the interior, the luxury is taken to a different level. level. It's really, again, about understated, refined luxury and um you know if you sat in the alpina d7 and i would say it's similar to that it's got that steering wheel with the lavalina lever yeah. leather with the proprietary stitching it's got the hand logo punch into the floor mat it's got um the eye drive controller has crystal glass with the laser etched alpina logo in it um, and it even has a unique alpina specific digital instrument cluster so the actual instrument cluster is specially um designed and colored for alpina you know, you have oh, my you have my car mouth watering right now because <laughs> I, I I'm just hearkening back to driving that B7 on the autobahn. It, it was amazing, and I can't wait to maybe get the possibility to drive the uh, the X7 version as well. All right, let's. Well, I can help you out with that. Oh, all right. Yes, you'll be my best <laughs> friend ever. Uh, what what's what what price uh, do these start at? So um, the Alpina starts at one hundred and forty-three thousand plus um, destination and handling. Um, actually, sorry, one forty-one three, and then the destination and handling charge on top of that. 
and uh, that's not for the faint of heart, but I can tell you it'll change your life when you get to drive one as well. Uh, Kate, listen, thanks for spending some time with us. Uh, All I'm going to be able to think of for the rest of the show is about that, uh, the new X7 Alpino. It stands, it's just most outstanding. Uh, More Our Auto Expert on the way, if you can possibly imagine. We're going to talk about other vehicles, not Alpinas. You're listening to Our Auto Expert. Catch previous episodes of the show at our website, ourautoexpert.com. You can hear all, all past shows, see our automotive videos, and read insider car stories about your next ride. Our Auto Expert is where 2 million Americans get their automotive news daily. You'll find it all at ourautoexpert.com. That is the website. Well, it was probably one of the biggest unveils in American history, the new Ford Bronco. And there are uh, currently the last figures I have is there is 160,000 of them on order. But it's sort of the Bronco we're going to talk about next. Uh, uh, it's the Bronco R. And joining us on the phone, Paul Wraith. He is the chief designer for the Bronco R. First of all, Paul, question uh, is the Bronco R the same vehicle that we were teased with uh, last year before the Bronco kind of came out? Because the R, the, sort of the, the Baja race version of it, is what everyone kind of got introduced to the first ideas of what the uh, the Bronco would look like, right? Hi, ah, yes. Um, the Bronco R was that vehicle that we sh- showed first a year ago and then took to the Baja 1000s. Um, and so, yeah, it, it teased a little bit of some of the, the then secrets of what the, the future Bronco family of vehicles would look like. Uh, this, you know, th- this Bronco is is almost out of control. I'm not sure that Ford knew <laughs> your Bronco was going to be such a success for the rest of the, of the United States. Uh, it, they knew there was a lot of interest and a lot going on. But uh, I know the morning of the Bronco when we were up there at Holly Oaks that uh, we had, uh, I think, something like, some incredible millions of viewers that watched us that morning do live TV um, and show off the new Bronco. Uh, and ultimately, uh, the proof of the pudding is in the orders for the new Bronco as well, right? Absolutely. Yeah, the, the response has been phenomenal. Um, it sort of confirms um, the, the nervous energy that we all had throughout the development of the, uh, of the Bronco, um, Bronco Sport and also the Bronco R. Uh, let's talk. Um, let's to, talk a little bit about we, the R. Let's talk a little yeah. bit about the R because because this so so the the R is really sort of the the pinnacle performance version of the vehicle, right? Yeah, the R is a is a race truck, and so the R, um, and we built it because we wanted to test a lot of componentry that the production Bronco would would take, right? In the in the heat of battle and in, in a very extreme environment, um, so. Yeah, we started off with a chassis frame and powertrain components and suspension components. And then, um, you know, the, the, the Bronco, as people are able to order it now, didn't exist in the form that we could take to that event. So we needed to do something to wrap up all those components for this, for this test. And that led us to design the vehicle that we did. Is the Bronco R um, going to join the family on the pre-order list at some point, or is it just sort of a work of, of concept? I mean, are, are they going to be for sale? No, they won't be for sale. It's a, it's a, it's a race truck. Um, it's an, a, a very uh, hardcore, focused uh, race truck. Um, I think when we ran it last year, we were, we were really just wanting to test all of those components for destruction, um, and then we've been working on it. Over the last 12 months as well, uh, taking the findings from the, the Baja 1000 
feeding them into the development process for the actual production Bronco vehicles that you can buy. But uh, we've also been developing the, the race truck as well over the last few months. Uh, we're going back to the Baja 1000 uh, this, this, uh, at the end of the year. Uh, and, and that's going to be good because uh, then you'll get to see if all your hard work pays off with that as well. If I was to take uh, one of the new Broncos, the the four-door or the, the two-door uh, full-size Bronco, and sort of put all of these, you know, all the possible parts on it, would I start to approach where this new Bronco R is, or is it just completely off the hook? Um, well, it has a lot in common. Um, so, uh, like I said, the, the powertrain, the transmission, the suspension, the chassis frame, and so on, it's got a lot in common. Um, when you park them side by side, the R is clearly a, a more focused and extreme vehicle. It doesn't have a windshield. It doesn't have open indoors, for example. It's only got now two seats. Right. So th- there's, there's a lot of differences. You know, the, although it has a, a bodywork, that bodywork is hung over the top of a very specialized uh, tubular race structure. Whereas the, um, the Bronco, of course, is something that is, is supremely capable uh, and could take you across the frame landscape, I have no doubt at all. Uh, but um, but it's also good that you can use every day. I I think knowing how well the Raptor's done for Ford, that there's probably some flavour in there in the future to make something available that was sort of somewhere in between. So it was actually drivable on the roads. Because, you know, that gets... I mean, the Broncos got me excited, don't get me wrong, but that gets me a little bit more excited because I'm like, well, I'd rather have one of those, uh, you know, uh, Bronco R's. So if you ever feel like it, you know, just just pencil something in for me because I'd be totally, <laughs> totally into that as well. Uh, uh, this... Is this the backwards way or the forwards way of designing a vehicle? Do you design it uh, on capabilities and a race truck and then build something that's street worthy, or do you take something that's street worthy and then design it for the race track? Um, really, the latter. Uh, the design of the, the Bronco and the Bronco Sport that we've, we've unveiled and we're taking orders for that was that that was kind of fixed at that point in the studio. The studio design uh, properties they're not they're not vehicles you can. Uh, drive down the street that I have engines, for example. So, right. you know, when we understood that we were going to do the race truck, we had to take bits, if you like, of the a suggestion, an information, a hint of of the production vehicles, and bring it forward into that race truck. The the, the fun part was trying to is how much do you dial in and how much do you dial out? What do we show and what do we we not show? And so the actual vehicle is covered in elements which. Um, some people got, and other bits were more subtle that uh, are now available on the production Bronco. Unfortunately, I usually have to have everything explained to me because I don't, I don't work it out. I'm not very good at vision, so I just like going fast in the desert. So you know, that's just how, how I work. Uh, the 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 whole Bronco family and the Bronco uh, nameplate now it's it's obviously where America wants to go. Uh, can we expect to see more in that direction in the future? Yeah, I think there's a there's a we recognise that there's a, a desire for people to get out and go do things and um, and explore this fantastic landscape. Right. Um, and I think key to you know, aside from the the uh, you know how the vehicle looks, we actually want the vehicle to be really easy to use, and we want to create systems and you know, enough that if you own a Bronco, the, that landscape that is tantalising you in those Instagram posts and on the TV adverts and in the movies, you know, it becomes more accessible. So we'll have 
trail mapping so that the systems on board the vehicle can tell you where the trails are and actually help you along through those trails as well. Yeah, I'm, no, I'm, I'm absolutely amazed by everything you've done. You should actually take a vacation because uh, I think you guys have a winner. More to come on our Auto Expert. Stand by. You're listening to the Our Auto Expert Podcast. Uh, you're listening to our Auto Expert Radio Show. I'm Nick Miles. Uh, this is a possibility for you to catch up with all previous episodes of the show. Our website is uh, ourautoexpert.com. Uh, you can also get hold of us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can start a conversation with us and ask car questions. Just direct messages at Our Auto Expert. Uh, it's where 2 million Americans get their automotive news daily. I will tell you that I get a lot of questions uh, you I have, do too. You have to, uh, you know, if you want to ask a question, say, I have a question about buying my new car. Did I? So someone someone texted me the other day or sent a, a message through uh, Facebook, I think, and it was like, I got approved for $20,000. Like, and? <laughs> and? So tell me, I'm looking for a truck. What do you recommend? Or do you know anybody at Ford who can get me a discount? Or, you know, these sort of things. And we, you know, we have plenty of people we can set you up on one-on-one with the big cheeses who own dealerships uh, we can do a lot of things to help you buy a vehicle i can also tell you here's a bit of insider information if you want to buy a car you need to look at what companies do what for whom mm-hmm. that sounds like a very general and weird statement but think about this if you're a veteran or a graduating college student or you have a, a pre-existing vehicle from that dealership then all you have to do is do something quite simple and see if they're doing a discount. So most veterans get $500 at least mm-hmm. as uh, if you're a member of the military, uh, you get $500 from a lot of brands that comes off directly off of the price of the car. Uh, secrets, if you want to buy a car through one of the big stores like Costco, you can get it for usually a $1,000 difference. Uh, on the vehicle they will do discounts for graduating college students GM do something if you have a competitive vehicle that exactly competes with what you're buying and you're buying a General Motors vehicle they can help you with that there are lists and lists of discounts you can get you might have shunned those AARP envelopes when they arrived at your house (laughs) on your 50th birthday but to be honest with you you sign up for AARP, it will give you a discount on the car. It's something that's built into the vehicle. Plus, then you can start negotiating. Once all those discounts have been applied with a dealer, you can start negotiating for some of those discounts as well. And that is the magic of doing some of these things. You just have to know. I'll always also be happy to explain to you what you need to do to sell your car and get the best for it. You need to make sure that you get it nice and clean before you even think about selling it. So that's probably where you should start. Clean out those old sandwiches from the glove box and that candy which is stuck to the bottom of the cup holder. Anton Walmer is an independent analyst and investor. Uh, He joins us every week to talk about the latest in automotive news. So, Anton, let's start with the ID4. Finally, this new Volkswagen getting ready to hit the streets of the United States. That's right. So production uh, started the other week in Germany, from which it will be initially exported for about a year and a half to the United States before production also starts in Tennessee in the summer of 2022. But in the short run here, we actually have not yet seen the full unveiling of the production-ready car. They've teased it with a little bit of camouflage uh, on it here and there. 
but uh, we haven't actually seen the proper unveiling, so that's coming here in just a few weeks from now, but Volkswagen sent out an announcement that production has started, and this marks one of those extremely rare moments in time in automotive uh, business when the car actually starts production before it is fully unveiled, which I thought was uh, somewhat noteworthy. Yeah, I, I think that's kind of interesting too, although I did get an invite via email to a virtual walk around of the vehicle. So, I, you know, that's obviously the unveiling for the media and is quite exciting to be able to see it because it seems like we have a backup of all these electric vehicles that are about to hit the dealerships and hit the streets and hit the unveils and hit the interwebs, but we haven't actually seen many of them because of COVID or because of one reason or the other. What we are starting to see is Polestar beginning sales in Norway way of their Polestar 2. That's right. So uh, it was three or four weeks ago that uh, they started uh, delivering them there at the end of July. And uh, they sold in Norway, which, mind you, is a small country, about 5.4 million people, uh, about 300 of them here in August and about another, whatever, 30, 40 of them at the end of July. So uh, for U.S. measures, it's kind of a small volume. But if you're looking at it, it's pretty good enough for capita basis and that has uh, rocketed this vehicle to i think it's third or fourth in terms of uh, volume sales in norway and uh, for those who don't know norway has been for the last four or five years the country in the world with the highest percentage of battery electric vehicles of any country in the world about 50 percent of all vehicles sold are battery electric vehicles and then you add another 20 or so percentage points worth of uh, plug-in hybrids, and you have over two-thirds of the market in Norway being a car that has some form of a plug on it of uh, some kind. I think that it's interesting to note that uh, the fact that Norway has all these electric vehicles, but yet when you look at world oil production, they're uh, in the top usually two or three people, uh, two or three nations who produce uh, oil. So it's they're actually putting their profits from oil to good use, aren't they? Yeah, so they're the sort of the Kuwait of Europe. They are one of the top three largest uh, exporters of oil in the world, and uh, but they've decided to basically tax all non-electric cars very, very highly. You pay essentially a 100% excise tax on the import price, and then you pay another 25% VAT on top of that. And if you buy an electric car, you're exempt from all of those, and you're exempt from all sorts of parking fees and all of these little ferries that have to shuttle you across some of the fjords in Norway that you otherwise have to pay fee for and annual registration tax. So basically, if you buy an electric car, you have, you're, you're exempt from all of these enormous fees, and that makes it really a motivating factor for you as a consumer to uh, go and uh, uh, do exactly that, just buy an electric car. How are the Norwegians with this? Are they, uh, are they at one with it? Are they at peace with it? Or do they resent somewhat what their government is doing? Well, uh, I think that if you were to look at polling in Norway, it's obviously at some point uh, when you make something look like it's cheaper, uh, there are a lot of people that will be in favor of that. But then you have the other half of the people are saying, wait a minute, somebody's paying for this somehow. And I guess who is paying for it? Well, we're sort of paying for it ourselves because it is a effectively a, a, a giant subsidy because if they weren't doing this, then uh, all cars would be put on par with each other from a taxation standpoint. So the country is basically divided on the policy, uh, roughly 50-50. So BMW uh, now showing more of what they had originally called the iNext. What's going on with that? 
Yeah, so iNext is the electric car that is going to be at the very pinnacle, at least as, uh, as we exit 2021 in the BMW lineup of all of the battery electric vehicles. It's an SUV that fits sort of from a size and shape perspective, somewhere between an X3 and an X5, and it will come with the most advanced suite of also uh, advanced driving assistant aid uh, um, uh technology so it will have the potential to go as high as possible in the stack of autonomous driving that bmw will dare to put on public roads so production of this vehicle is set to start in about july of 2021 and be in uh, dealerships before the end of 2021 we'll see though to what extent it, it makes it to the u.s shores before the end of 21 because I imagine, as we've seen in so many of these cases, that uh, the supplies into the home European market will definitely be prioritized. It's interesting to look at how BMW have done with electric vehicles in the past because the i3 and the i3s are the only two uh, fully electric vehicles uh, available in the United States, and they've not been huge winners for BMW. No, so uh, really... uh, yeah, they started marketing these things as a uh, city car. And, of course, you cannot sell an automobile in the United States with any great success if you're marketed as a city car. I mean, you could might as well argue the market is saying, well, we have a death trap for sale. People just do not buy a car in the United States that says death trap. They might have said, well, we are, you know, it's like death trap or communist, basically. If you say city car, those are the couple of the first words that come to mind to a lot of people. And that's not what people want. So the car looked kind of funny. I was actually one of the people who actually loved the way the car looked. It is one of the most fun things you can drive around in a city environment. And uh, it's got an engineering underpinning that is truly unique. I, I really loved it, but it was hard to recommend it to a lot of people because it was somewhat expensive. And also the luggage base was uh, somewhat small. And you would have thought that BMW would have come out with simply a larger version of this that would not have looked so funny and would have fitted more people and more luggage. And I think they would have had a lot better success with it. And eventually, that's what we're now seeing that will be out here in the dealerships, first in Europe and then in the United States, starting in just about a year from now. All right. LG says there is no battery shortage, despite what we've been told in the past. Yeah, so there's been a lot of talk, of course, in the press that uh, the automakers are really constrained by uh, there not being enough batteries. And LG is the company that has the largest customer list of batteries in the world. If you if you look at all the geographies, uh, on average, Europe, North America, and some parts of Asia. And uh, they actually came out this last week and said, look, uh, there's been a lot of talk that we are we're having trouble supplying all of these automakers and as they said that's not really true we're 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 delivering all the orders we can get and of course in europe they have the largest battery factory that's located in poland that those are the batteries that sit inside vehicles such as the jaguar i-pace the audi e-tron a number of volvos and other uh, brands that are being made uh, that are being surprised supplied from there and even i think the ford uh, Mustang Mach-E is going to be supplied by batteries from that factory. So uh, basically they say, no, this is not a problem. And they're also expanding, of course. They're building all sorts of other factories around the world. But so far, they're able to keep up with demand. 
All right. It's good to know that uh, not everything you hear in the media is true, uh, only on this radio show and everything from Anton Wallman, of course. Anton Wallman, independent analyst and investor. Great guy. You can read the majority of his stuff at Seeking Alpha or the Street. And it's a good place to know to catch up on the business end of the automotive world. We'll be catching up on more cool car stuff when we return. Stand by. Here we go. You're listening to Our Auto Expert. Your smart speaker can be your radio. Just say, hey, Google, hey, Alexa, or hey, Siri, play our auto expert radio show and all previous episodes of the show. Shush, 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 shush. See, that's what happens when you do it and you have the phone there. All previous episodes of the podcast are available. Hours of endless fun. I'm Nick Miles. This is our auto expert radio show. Two million Americans get their automotive news from our auto expert. And one of the guys that writes much of that news is our friend Perry Stern. Uh, but you can read Perry's uh, stuff at MX, uh, sorry, MX, MSN.com, <laughs> MSN Autos, and also at our auto expert. Uh, Perry, you have been enjoying some Mercedes in your life recently, haven't you? I have. And, you know, when you think of Mercedes, you think high end. And this is not high end, but it's still great. Uh, it's this. Is it this? No, the A-Class is their smallest. So it's a one step up from their smallest, the CLA, right? Right. It's the GLA. It's the smallest uh, SUV that they have. The, the GLA. Uh, the, yes. This is, so, uh, this is brand new, right? It is, well, they've had a GLA before, so it is completely redone. Uh, and I think they did a great job with it. I mean, the the best thing you can say about it is, is it drives like a Mercedes, even though it's entry level. It got a little bigger this time around, didn't it? It did in some ways. So it's it does have more interior space, but it's actually shorter than the previous version. Uh, but they've you know stretched the wheelbase a bit, so you've got less overhang. It just gives it a more sporty look. But interior, it's amazing how much space they put into this you know, car that has a pretty small footprint. I, uh, there's certain things I've, I like very much about it. One of the things I was disappointed about the new GLA is the fact that in, in, the, in the European version, it has uh, the same thing as the GLS, which is the car wash mode. But they say for some reason they weren't able to, although it had it on the test models that we drove, uh, they, they weren't able to put it on the actual production car. And I think the car wash mode actually helps you because a lot of times I forget when I'm going through the car wash, oh, I've got to turn the mirrors in. Oh, I've got to do this, detach the area. It kind of does everything for you. Yeah, and it beeps at you the entire time, although it does make some <laughs> interesting camera views. Yes, <laughs> I do. I had my, I had Joey in the car, um, one of my dogs, the last time I did it, and he's looking at the screen as these brushes go across, and his eyes are going back and forward, and he was growling at it. So, But it's kind of interesting <laughs> to see the, the front cameras. He was like, what, what's going on? There's something on the screen. Mind you, every time we're at home uh, watching TV and a dog appears on the TV, he can be fast asleep, and he'll be right at the TV in a second. So car wash brushes were obviously as exciting as dogs uh the vehicle actually comes the vehicle comes with a lot of the tech that you'd expect to get in a higher end mercedes exactly and the one i was driving actually had the upgraded uh display screen and basically it's a it's two i believe it is 10 and a quarter inch displays that are all that are connected behind one plate of glass i suppose um so basically it looks like one large display that combines the driver display and the center display but it makes it look so high tech. Uh, and when I talked to the Mercedes folks, they said that the majority of the people that buy these upgrade to that screen. 
Yeah, and I, and it's interesting to me that when I when I sat inside it, that screen goes more than halfway across the dash. So it does. It's starting to be a, the dash is becoming one entire massive screen. But it also makes it feel like you're driving something that's uh, closer to ninety thousand dollars than something that's around forty thousand dollars, right? Exactly, and that's and that's the nice thing about this car. Even without the screen, I mean, every little detail. It's just really nice materials. Um, and it feels solid. It doesn't feel like, you know, economy crossover. And that's what you, you know, what you want in a Mercedes. And that's probably one of the reasons that this is, you know, Mercedes refers to this as the gateway. Uh, so basically, this, you know, if they can get new buyers into one of these, they understand what Mercedes is all about. And, you know, in some cases, they get them for life. I, that summed up things in my head just then, which made me smile as you were talking about it. The gateway to your uh, Mercedes addiction, I guess, is the, exactly. way, the way it would work. <laughs> uh, it's nice to know that some of the things that we see on the higher end, higher end cars are in there. Uh, have you had an opportunity to experience what three words? What three words? No, I'm not. Uh, I'm not familiar with that. No. So th- these are in all new Mercedes. And when I tell you about it, I promise you, Perry, you will you will not stop using it. Nick is addicted to what three <laughs> words. So <laughs> every every ten feet of the world has been squared off by the the company What Three Words and given its own three word address. And so Mercedes now have this in it. So you can look up what three words on the Internet and find your home address being three words, which could be like screen, coffee, flag. And those could be the three words that denote your address. And you can say those words to Mercedes. So you can hit the MBUX system and say screen, coffee, flag or hey, Mercedes, screen, uh, go to screen, coffee, flag. And it will direct you to the 10 foot squared. And I have it on my phone now and I'm constantly people saying, where shall I meet you? And I send them the what three words address. And they're like, what? What are you doing? What is this? What, you, what is this crazy person? Uh, unfortunately, I seem to be more excited about it than anyone else is. Well, I, this is something new to me. I have now learned something new today, and now I'm dying to go and look up my what three words. Okay, yeah, Perry. Um, once once he gets on this kick, he tells me all about it. And I swear, I spent a good hour and a half looking up everybody I know. <laughs> they're, they're what three. And, and the great thing is about it your property is presumably most people's property are big is bigger or the place they live is bigger than uh you know 10 foot square so you have multiple addresses that will direct people to where you live and the great thing is you can choose which one you give out which is coolest i, like, have, you know, I have 16 you have 16, 16 squares what, this is what we this is what we do with our days during the pandemic. <laughs> I know, right? During COVID. <laughs> oh, uh, so I posted it. Some I posted a comment on uh, on Instagram, uh, I think, or on Facebook, of what my what three words were, and I got like three replies from people that knew what it was. I was highly disappointed. So you could say, "What are your three words? My what three words are this?" And everyone's like, "What, what is he talking what is about?" He He's that? completely lost it. Yeah. At this point, in it. And eventually, if you ask enough, I could come up with three words you probably won't like. <laughs> right. I know. <laughs> Mine are kind of boring too. So yeah. Uh, what, what's yours, Jen? I, Give uh, everybody your home address. No, I already did that once. <laughs> he told me on the air. You do realize you told everybody where you live, and I'm like, I did. Uh. I did say I was kind of sneaky with what three words uh, for for me, and in, in when I gave it out on the air because I actually gave away, give out an address which is just slightly across the street. So I was thinking <laughs> I could see a conglomeration of listeners approaching these what three words and going, "Is this where he lives? Is this where he?" <laughs> You can just give out. You can just give out the what three words for Wrigley Field, like they did in Blues Brothers. Yeah, see, there you go. See the address, Perry. You're thinking for all of us right there. Uh, starting price and availability of the GLA. 
So GLA is on sale now, I believe. Uh, at least the GLA 250. The AMG versions, which will be cool, uh, are coming a little bit later this year. And I believe that the starting price on this is about thirty six thousand. Yeah, I think it's, uh, so it's up a little bit. So you can get into a Mercedes crossover for thirty six grand. I know, brand new, by the way, brand new. And I like exactly. the fact it does come with the full Matic as well, which is always great. Uh, Perry, it's always great to have you on the show. Uh, the new GLA uh, Perry has been driving. You can read about that and many other things on our website at ourautoexpert.com or read some of Perry's reviews on uh, MSN Autos. He has plenty to share with the world and some very good stuff as well we'll have more of our show next time uh, you can listen to previous episodes of the show at ourautoexpert.com there are all the shows that we have recorded on in a podcast version you can download it to your apple apple podcasts or your spotify or whatever you should enjoy plus watch some of our tv videos and of course you can see some of our social media posts and contact us through the website. More to come next time on Our Auto Expert. I'm Nick Miles. You've been listening to Our Auto Expert with Nick Miles. Find all the show episodes at ourautoexpert.com. Please follow us on all social media, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Our Auto Expert. And message us for a quick and witty response. Yeah.